There ain't enough room in this town for the both of us. Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome to a special edition of Take Two Radio. We are on our off Thursdays, but one of our favorite guests who has been here multiple times just released his funny, poignant, at times uh, graphic, very, very honest memoir called Sub Liberty. I am, of course, talking about Leon Akert of Old Dogs and New Tricks. Faithful listeners out there will remember that he came a couple months ago and he was letting us know about getting together the funding for a final season. He's been on multiple times, and we love him. I, of course, am joined by David, who will be running the board and being our engineer this evening. Pam, Candice, and Carolyn uh, graciously allowed me to have this special show with Leon because we love him and he loves us. So he should be here any moment. Let, and let me while check we... and see if this is him. Are you okay. ready? I'm ready. See. <laughs> Hello, it's Leon. How are you? Hi, Leon? Hey, Leon. Leon. How are you guys? We are doing We're well. Doing it's me and David. David will be running the call-ins, et cetera, et cetera. He may pop in for a question or two later on. Hey, David. But, uh, it is basically uh, you and you? me for this special edition of Take Two Radio. Did I scare the ladies off? <laughs> no. We thought... This is, an, this is an off week, so everybody had other... Um, prior commitments and I said you know the book is coming out we really got to get this up there and they said we love oh. Leon will you do the show by yourself and I said David bless you guys and... <laughs> yeah. how and so much here we are it's not just an off week it's an off year so far <laughs> 2020 oh, bless you I really appreciate that thank you so much absolutely so fill us in um, I saw as of sometime early this morning that you were number seven or eight on uh, on the Amazon charts. Well, Amazon's, um, I think that was the Queer New Releases chart. Amazon has about 300 different charts, depending on the category, memoir, uh, uh, queer interest, LGBTQ, um, show business. We've been bouncing around because they update the charts. See, I I didn't even know they did charts. My husband pointed this out like the day after it was published. (laughs) And he's kind of like following it fanatically. Oh, we're we're number eight. Oh, no, we're number 23. Oh, no, we're 47. Oh, no, we're back up to number. (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, we're all over the place on that chart, but it's 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 been a great week. It's really been it's just humbling and and heartwarming and uh, all sorts of wonderful feedback. So I, I'm I'm all kinds of happy. I I would imagine. I mean, I see a lot of responses on Facebook and. You know, as you know, I read the book, and um, it's it's as I was saying, it's it's raw, it's honest, it's funny. You know, at times it's self-deprecating, it's heartwarming. You yeah, know, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. It, it's the total package, you know. And cool. And if anybody follows you on Facebook, the narrative, the voice of the book is exactly what you see. It's exactly what you've heard when he's been here talking to us before. It's oh, Leon my gosh. And- I may, I'm, you know, I may ask you to use that as a poll quote because when I first started talking about writing a book, I had more than one person say, oh, well, I, I, hope it, I hope it sounds like you on Facebook. So <laughs> I may use that. Thank you. Thank you. I was hoping yeah. to – I wanted it to be – to have – kind of that tone only with a little more depth, you know, because uh, there's really only so much you can do in, in one post. But yeah, I, I wanted to, to be first and foremost entertaining. So thank you for that. You're absolutely welcome. And, you know, you'll get the you'll get the recording of this in a day or two. Make a sound bite. You can use it wherever you want. I am saying it out live right now. So you have full permission. <laughs> I've already committed it to memory. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell our listeners, because you know how much I love asking this question, tell our listeners the full and complete title of Sub Liberty. It is Sub Liberty with an asterisk, and the asterisk leads to the subtitle, which is (laughs) The Queer Life (laughs) of a Showbiz Footnote. (laughs) I have to disagree with that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I thoroughly disagree. With I have to disagree with that. With <laughs> How do you mean? No, I don't think of you as a footnote. Oh, well, thank you. Well, nobody's really a footnote, and yet we all are. I mean, it's all perspective. <laughs> it's, um, I, I use that because there's a lot of footnotes in the book, and I also consider myself, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, you have the A list, you have the D list. I'm probably somewhere around K or M. But um, but that's okay. As I, one of the things I hope people take away from the book is that success is not necessarily defined by dollar signs. And if you follow your dreams, you know, you can be happy without being on the cover of People. Dreams. Absolutely. And there are, there are different kinds of success. And, exactly. you know, one of the things that, that I think about, you know, when I think of success is, you know, are you living – the kind of life that when you look in the mirror, you can breathe with total satisfaction. You can breathe with total comfort. You can breathe, you know, and, you know, listening, I, I of course, um, the listeners know that I'm, I'm blind. I lost my sight four years ago, so I, I listened to it using a screen reader. And, and listening to, to some of the chapters and some of the stories in the way you narrated them, I, you know, I can imagine that at this point it was cathartic to put it all on paper, but I oh, don't yeah. think, I, I don't think at this point you're unashamed or you were, you had much of a, Hey, you know, I don't know if I really want the world to see me this way. 
it, and it comes through in the book. You know, you're very un, you know, unashamed. You're very unapologetic about who you are, and that's that's pretty darn awesome. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. I think when you write, um, well, one thing. I mean, it's a memoir, not an autobiography. So you know, I remembered what I could remember. There's, you know, and I'm from a generation that did lots of things in the '80s. That you know, our memories may not be as good as. <laughs> others but um you have to tell the truth whether it's an autobiography or a memoir and um otherwise why why bother and you know a lot of things there are things in the book that i haven't really talked about even to my closest friends but none of it is anything i'm ashamed of because i mean we are the total sum of our experiences and you know i just wonder if i took out any one of those, even the bad experiences of my life, but I would I have, you know, would I have been an actor for 25 years? Would I had had the strength to, you know, produce and act in a in a, a web series? Would I have the nerve to to publish this book? You know, it's uh, it's all character building, and it's true. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger. So, um, yeah, very little shame. <laughs> And I want to get back to the what doesn't kill us part, but yeah. I want you to tell I want you to tell our listeners when is the physical release of the book and why did we get the ebook now? Um, the paperback is scheduled for June fourteenth um, because I wanted it to come out in the summer, breezy summer beach read. Well, no, please stay off the beaches at least until further notice. Um, and yeah, the ebook was going to come out at the same time, but after uh, I'm in California, we've been locked down now for I think it's been 42 days. And by about the 10th day, I'm like, okay, I have nothing to do. And I know a lot of people are probably at home wanting to read. Um, you know, the book is more or less ready now. Let's just let's just release the ebook ahead of time to give people something they can read um, without having to order something from a warehouse without having to, you know, overtax the already overtaxed warehouse workers and delivery drivers and, you know, let them deliver the groceries. And, you know, the June 14th date might be, you know, delayed because, again, let them deliver the essential things they're delivering right now. Who knows if printing presses will be even, you know, running by uh, late May and early June. So we just thought, well, you know, get it out now. And, and um, people like ebooks. And you know, I have to say, I was really prejudiced against ebooks, but they're kind of fun. Um, I have a new appreciation for them. So you know, I'm trying. I'm trying not to cram that down people because a lot of people are saying, I, I want to wait for the paperback, and I'm one of those people too. But you know, I'm also. I'd like to encourage people to give ebooks a try because, as you said, you can set it up where it reads itself to you. Um, the end notes are kind of fun. It's kind of like a whack-a-mole kind of. <laughs> Um, yeah. pop up, <laughs> pop up kind of info kind of thing. So yeah, I, it, I'm having kind of fun with the ebook concept. So I completely forgot what the question was. I just went off on a tangent, didn't I? Uh, Things I was ashamed of. of. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing I was really ashamed of. <laughs> oh no, no. The question was why, why rush it out now? Um, yeah. Just to give people something to read that didn't have any germs. And and that's you know I I love that that's that's really awesome you know I think a lot of of authors and artists are probably worrying about what the bottom line is for the products that they may have you know ready to be released soon and 
you know, I know that television shows are scrambling to figure out what to do. Our beloved General Hospital is flirting with the idea of doing a few episodes via Zoom. Um, mm. You know, and so, you know, the the idea that you that you said, hey, you know, I want to give something that's 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 basically a fun read. You know, there are a couple of dark parts that are, I won't even say hard to get through, but that you know are real. They're raw and they're honest. Um, but basically, it's, it's a really fun read. You know, and to throw the bottom line out and say, hey, I just want to put this out there. I want to give you know, I want to give something out. Um, it really inspires, it inspires me. And, and there's so many artists that are doing that, these home concerts and so on and so forth. But then you see that, you know, I just recently read that one of the big English artists who, um, you know, she's very fond of singing hello, uh, is pushing her release date because she doesn't want, you know, she doesn't want lower sales because people can't out, can't get out and get a physical copy. Um, and that, you know, yeah, the dark side and that hurt my heart. Um, it's a brand new it, world. It, you know, I was, I was really inspired by, I mean, I wish I were one of these musicians like my friend, Amanda Gary or Randy rainbow, or, you know, all of these musicians who are doing things from their living room and doing free concerts online and, and things like that. Unfortunately, I'm not that spontaneously gifted. So um, that was another reason. It's like, well, you have the book. You can offer the book. And, you know, we posted episodes of the show for a while. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a brand-new world. It's going to be interesting to see um, how different forms of media react. And, you know, because it's a brand-new world, I don't think there's really any incorrect way of responding to this other than maybe protesting and, and putting people at risk you know, I don't want to get into politics tonight, so that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but I think people people are reacting however – this is a brand-new world, and, and people are reacting however they react. And if it's to create art, that's terrific. You know, I've had a few a couple of people say, Leon, how can you, like, put something so frivolous out there when people are dying? That's – you know, that is a legitimate perspective as well. And we we just have to respect everyone's perspectives right now and be kind to each other. Which is another reason I'm not going to talk about politics. <laughs> not too much. Yeah, that, that's something that, you know, is, is startlingly, startlingly apparent at, at the human spirit is, is very you know, resilient. There are a lot of kind acts of kindness out there. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, I think that this, this situation is pushing us in one of two ways. It's either bringing out the very best in us or it's bringing out the very worst in us. And yeah. fortunately, you know, I think people are looking around and saying, hey, you know what? When so much is happening, this is frivolous. This is stupid. I'm not going to put up with this. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's the world we live in. You know, there are a lot of lessons. Yeah, there are a yeah. lot of lessons to lean into during this, and I just hope we remember them. Because, I mean, I, people are good at heart. I truly believe Anne Frank was right, but we are also very forgetful. We have very short memory spans, and um, I just hope we retain a lot of the lessons we learned through this. I hope so. You mentioned the show a couple of seconds ago, very, very lowly, but you've been putting out an episode a day. And that's yeah. another another light, you know, another candle lit in the darkness. 
it's something for well, you know for people to. God. Yeah, not 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 everyone has uh, Amazon, and the show is still on YouTube. So we just thought, you know, again, I'm I, I can't just like pick up a guitar and, and pluck out a tune on Facebook Live. So I thought, well, I have that I can put up every day and hopefully give people a chuckle or two and let them remember what it was like when we could all go to brunch together and have cocktails together. And we'll get there again someday, won't we? We will. But yeah, we, I guess that, we that, absolutely that, that, that was the motive for that. I just wanted to, you know, again, put out what I could, offer what I have, and um, try to give people a distraction, a diversion. So what, what led you to, to start writing Celebrity? And please tell us the story of why sub-liberty. Sub-liberty. Yes, we've got to pronounce that hyphen because I am not a celebrity. Um, sub-liberty. There was, in the early days of the show, Old Dogs and New Tricks, there was a, uh, a review. I don't even remember. I mean, the review I remember was overall good, but I don't even remember which blog it was. But it, the, the overall tone of it was that I was a raving egomaniac for <laughs> trying to pull all this off. And um, it referred to me as a sub-lebrity, which I know it was intended as an insult. But being a completely unknown actor, I took it as a compliment. And I'm all about, like, taking back the power of words like queer and the F word and things like that. So, um, I mean, I had a couple other possible titles, but I, that, that was the one that just kind of stuck and seemed like it'd be the uh, shortest and easiest to put on a book cover. Um, and again, yeah, it's all about taking back the power of words. Um, so that that was where the title came from. The idea for the book really, um, a lot of my friends and former acting colleagues have written books. And I was just kind of musing on Facebook one day, hmm, maybe I should write a book. And a, a small press publisher approached me and said, yeah, we, we, we would be interested. Call our editors and tell them your stories and we'll clip up a manuscript. And I was flattered and kind of insulted at the same time because then that's, <laughs> that's cheating. If I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. So um, I decided to just do it on my own. And um, I had originally wanted it, thought it was going to be like, you know, a series, just a short series of essays and very funny and flippant. And uh, the more I kind of got into it, um, the more I decided to just, you know, just, just tell your story. Um, I, I truly believe that the Quentin, Quentin Crisp quote, that opens my book that nobody is boring who will tell the truth about himself. And um, yeah. I, I, I told myself that quote a lot while I was writing because I had many spouts of who cares, Leon, who cares? Who's no one cares. But I think, you know, as a result of writing this, I think everyone has a, a unique, interesting story. And I think everyone should write their own, write their own life story, whether they plan to publish it or not the lessons you learn, the kind of insight you get from kind of the long overview. And plus it's I fun. Hear you say, <laughs> I hear you say that in the back of my head. I have to make an ode to the Golden Girls. I hear Blanche Deborah going, they can publish it when I'm dead. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> See, I'm old. I just hear Maude Finley saying, who cares, Walter? Who cares? So uh, <laughs> God'll get you for that, Walter. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but the same, the same, you know, same sensibility, I think. 
So I'm going to dive into the book a little bit. Let's, okay. Uh, let's dive. Let's tell the listeners you you start out in rural Indiana. Yes. Um, <laughs> you definitely knew at a very early age. You found some people who you could cling to and some people who did not understand you. And then you decided that at some point you were going to go across country to San Francisco. Tell us a little bit about what that journey was like. Tell us a little bit about, you know, stepping into San Francisco in the glory 80 days. Oh my gosh. It was like, that chapter is called Leon in Wonderland. I should have called it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that's a good title for it. But I really felt I. It was like being Dorothy in, in the Land of Oz, to go from yeah. Indiana in 1981 to. Well, no, I moved to San Francisco in December of '84. Um, but yeah, to go from Indiana, which was, and I grew up on farms. I mean, you know, there are minority populations in Indiana, and in like Indianapolis and Gary and the cities, but not so much where I grew up. So to, to go from that to this land where I, I think I actually say in the book, it was like a symphony of accents and languages and, and independent, yeah. independent bookstores and, and independent cinema. And just, it was, you know, I grew up just wildly crazy about the concept of show business and, and um, California and just life beyond and just to find myself plopped into the great beyond at age 21 was, oh my gosh, it was, it was a remarkable, remarkable time. It, it was, I, I hope the book just captures a portion of, of, of how stimulating and exciting and, and just eye opening it was to a 21 year old farm boy. It was really, really incredible. No, it it absolutely does. I mean, I you know, I very much identify. I grew up in New York, New York City. Uh, um, lucky you. You know, and, but I I could identify with pieces of it. I grew up in a very strict Italian family, so I wasn't oh. allowed to explore things that I really wanted to explore. And gotcha. you know, you talk about you went there. You know, you went to to San Fran with a partner. You, you know, you guys went out for the first night expecting, you know, this magic. You expected to walk oh. through the gates of Emerald City, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> you want me to tell that story? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we, um, our flight got into SFO around 6.30 or 7, and it was just getting dark. Um, my boyfriend at the time, Neil, could talk himself into or out of anything and somehow managed to get us a rental car even though we didn't have jobs or return tickets or credit cards. So we drove into the city, into Civic Center, which was, you know, we were brand new newbies. All we knew was Civic Center was literally the center of the city. So we go there thinking, oh, well, we'll get something to eat. And we <laughs> we just out of the car. And, I mean, it was literally thousands of, I mean, hippies straight out of straight out of Woodstock. I mean, it was like with barefoot, dirty feet, grunge, tie dye. I mean, it was like, have we traveled to the West Coast or to 1968? Where, what, where's this chic, elegant city that I did all this research on? And we drive back to the the hotel, thinking, oh my God, but maybe we were just wrong. Maybe this is a horrible mistake. We put on the news. And it says that 
uh, a Deadhead <laughs> concert in Civic Center had just let out like half an hour earlier, and like our flocks of Deadhead Deadheads were Grateful Dead, and flocks of Deadheads were uh, flowing out into the streets of Civic Center, and I was oh, oh okay, but really there were for about half an hour to an hour we're like oh my god, what uh, are we in the right San Francisco? <laughs> it was really bizarre. Ah, oh, good times, good times. <laughs> so, you know, we mentioned earlier that the book does have a couple of moments that are that are hard to read. Um, you have one particular chapter, "Cruel Summer." Mm. When you when you were putting the book all together and, and you were going back, I, I would assume you probably had to, you know, go through three or four times at least to edit it. And, you know, when you were going through all that, how, you know, how much, um, how, how much of how much more do I want to say? How much less should I take out? You know, how much hit the cutting room floor and, you know, um, that chapter makes the book, it, it, it really makes it from, as, I don't want to say satire. I don't know exactly what to say. It, but Tongue it, and it, cheek. It, That's how I've been calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Tongue okay, and cheek. Perfect. Yeah. The book has a very tongue and cheek feel, and then that makes it completely real. And though, even though the rest of the book goes back to this tongue and cheek tone, the, you know, we've gone through it with you. And well, you know, there's a different feel to the tongue and cheek. There, I think there may be a couple reasons why I left it in. First of all, um, I mean, I've said before that like the primary theme of the book is being a gay actor. So the the main rule was if it wasn't about being gay or being an actor or being a gay actor, leave it out. But that didn't apply in this case because I felt the the events of that summer were so formative to who I became as a an, as as an adult. But another reason I wanted to leave it in is that I I, I know it's a book and not a movie, but I'm a huge fan of movies that suck you in with this like lighthearted tone. And you're really with the characters and laughing with them and enjoying being with them and kind of in your head, enjoying being them. And then something just takes a subtle turn and you find yourself kind of like before you're even prepared for it in their shoes and some yeah. unexpected. And I, I guess, I mean, I didn't plan that. I mean, it's just talking about it now that I kind of like, thought, Hmm. Oh, it's, it's kind of like one of those movies, but maybe maybe that's why I don't know. Maybe I was manip- manipulating the reader without realizing it. But um, I do think it was it was kind of important. I was I was so full of myself my senior year of high school. Um, if you read the book, you know. I think mm. I think it was kind of I needed that. Maybe I didn't need quite so much to happen that summer, but I needed something that summer after I graduated to kind of like shake me up and say, Leon, <laughs> this is real life. This isn't, you know, life is not high school. It's not all about you and pay attention and, and stop just coasting through life. Now we've depressed everyone in the listening audience. <laughs> it really is a funny book. <laughs> no, it is. And, and, you know, as, like I said, just a moment ago, you know, that tone goes back to tongue in cheek, and it, it's very witty. Guys, gals out there listening, it is such a witty, great read. I really have to say. But after you know, after Cruel Summer, you are Leon. You know, you're with him. You're, you're either his best friend or you're him. You know, and, oh, cool. and, and you can't wait. 
to find out what happens next and then what happens next. And, you know, Neil's gone and then there's someone else. And then there's a period of, you know, multiple someone else's and you know, that was one of my favorite chapters, kissing the frogs about all the horrible dates. Yeah. Actually not all of them because there are even more that I didn't leave, but those were, those were the highlights. Um, okay. Oh my God. And I didn't even really date that much. Imagine if I was like really active, I'd have like a whole book just of that. But yeah, that chapter is just like, you know, the, the, the bet the bad choices the the mix, missed opportunities the um shoulda woulda coulda shoulda woulda coulda and the shouldn't have but did it anyways um and we've all who can't relate to bad romantic choices except i don't know maybe a nun or a priest no and you know i think we're of we're of the same you know we're close in generations let's put it that way um you know where things we didn't have to fight as hard for the freedoms you, you know we got to enjoy the spoils of of those who came before us um mm-hmm. and you know you i know, did too i mean i was i was only like six during stonewall so i mean i there were already certain freedoms hard fought for and won that i took advantage of so don't knock yeah. yourself don't knock you know don't beat yourself up but it, anyway, it seems, go on. You know, sh- straight, gay, it, it doesn't really matter. Those of us that, that were children of the 80s and early 90s, you, you know, we got to experience freedoms um, that yeah. were hard fought for. But, you know, not many of us paid attention to, to you know, to, to where, those, where those fights, you know, how those freedoms were won for us and how, you know, and I wonder – when you were in San Francisco, when, you know, when you were living those days and obviously we know the epidemic and, and it's so mm. scarily parallel to, to what, you know, what we're going through right now, yeah. you know, how conscious were you of what was going on and what could be and, you know, all, no. how much did that form the choices that you made? You could not live in San Francisco in the mid to late eighties without being, hyper aware on not just on a daily basis, but a moment to moment basis. I mean, there was a, in civic center, there was a park right next to the subway station where um, a homeless um, AIDS patients or people living with HIV, it was an encampment and God bless the city government for not going in and trying to, to wash them out. Um, I mean, I pass that every single day going to work. And coming home, um, marched in parades, went to protests um, every day or every week. There were two gay papers in BAR, which is still around. And please support. <laughs> Go to Ebar and, and throw them a donation because they're a great gay press and they need the money. But anyway, uh, the BAR and Sentinel, and just each week, page after page after page of obituaries. I mean, it was. It was, it was, and I don't want to paint it like it was just such a horrible, bleak time, although it was. Um, I think like any, like during World War II or any prolonged period of, and, and like what we're going through now, any prolonged period of, of grief and shock, you do have those moments of levity. I have to say, Lawrence and I, my husband, have had moments where we've laughed harder the past 40 days at certain times. And maybe it's just because we're going crazy from cabin fever. But I think 
um, you know, the the bombing of London, the World War II, maybe not 9-11 because that was just too horrific and too intense. But we're, we always find ways of, of lifting spirits, even in the worst of times. And that was happening in San Francisco. Even though people were literally dying in the streets, I was so tired of seeing 30-year-old men walking with canes or in wheelchairs. There was, at the same time, uh, just a explosion of the arts and and political reaction to it. So it was a vibrant, that would be a good word for it. So I, I don't want to say it was fun. It was a vibrant time to live in San Francisco. It was great in its way. I'm, I'm going to put hey, you on the spot. I have a caller on the air for you. Oh. oh. caller on the air for you. Uh, go ahead, All caller. Right. Hello, son. Who do we have? Hello, son. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Hello, son. Hello, Norman. Hello, Leon. Hello, Bunky. Did I cover it up? Oh, someone's read my book. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not know who this is? I'm I'm horrible at recognizing voices. It's almost as bad Leon, with names. Leon, you're fired. That's it. Last time you're on my show. <laughs> Is this Pam? Yeah. It is. It's Pam. Pam! Oh my God! And you know, I want to apologize. It wasn't until after I wrote the book that I made the connection that Pam was the one who said that she would introduce me to Ian Buchanan, and I just talk about a talk show. So anyone who reads the book, it was Take Two Radio. Pam Powers. You know, I'm going to update that for the paperback. The great thing, another great, great thing about eBooks, you can go in and make corrections after they're they've already been out and available. So I'm going to fix that. That's so Hello, sweet Pam. because until until you refreshed my mind by writing that on Facebook, I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I I knew somebody did. I knew, and we did a lot of radio shows back in the early days of the show. And I knew someone, and I knew it was one of the the daytime drama related. And then it was only after the came out, and I was making it's like that was Pam because yeah, because she yeah she knows Ian and yeah that that had to have been Pam. So, yeah, I'm going to fix that in the in future edition. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It was my honor. I I want to say, first of all, congratulations on the release thank of you. the ebook. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm still in the midst of reading it, but I have to tell you I've already been through a ton of emotions. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't mean good. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yes. Yes, uh, you hit the mark is, is definitely, uh, wow. And I can't wait to finish it. But I have to ask you just two things so far, because, of course, we don't want to give away too much of the book because we want people to read it. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you, didn't anyone know how to drive any type of vehicle in your town? <laughs> 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 those, those poor pets of yours I mean I just could not believe What I was reading I was like oh no This can't get worse but yet it did Oh it does <laughs> it's horrible The poodle getting run over by the School bus was the worst because we Mom made us get on the school Bus and go to school that was Horrible but yeah No what what Pam's talking about is I talk about growing up on the farm and that um, <laughs> actually, this is appropriate for this show. That um, when you grow up on a farm, 
your pets have the turnover rate of a soap opera cast because it really was like, you know, one would die, you'd replace it with that one, and then that one would disappear, and you'd get another one. That's, you know. Thank you. My dad, so many of them, and and via buses and cars and tractors, and I was just like, what is going on here? And the mule rural races. America at its worst. So oh what? I mean, I'm so a... protective of my pets now. Lawrence and I take such good care. I mean, vet visits. I they eat better than we do. We're so protective of our animals nowadays. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, I guess it's it's. Well, I don't want to say it's good that it happened, but I mean it. it and probably made you understand more so what grief was and losing a beloved pet and appreciation now more. You know what I mean? What I'm trying to yeah. say? Yeah. I think it, it gave me access very early on to all those emotions that an actor needs to have at their fingertips. Um, not to say that I appreciate that it, I, those things happen because it's pretty horrific to watch a pig that you raised be pummeled to death by other pigs <laughs> but um ugh, that's, that was another one the book's yeah. full of these happy fun stories <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well moving on a little bit i wanted to tell you that you know just reading your list of tv shows that you watched growing up i of course, watched many of them and was a big fan of a, of a lot of them. But, you know, one that stood out to me was Carol Burnett because who doesn't love Carol Burnett? I mean, who doesn't? And I what? think, yeah, I was going to say, I think even if they were to go back, people that are, you know, kids nowadays or adults nowadays that weren't kids back then, if they were to go back and watch her show, they would completely love her to death. Love her to death. And, you know, she's on, I think it's Amazon. They've just, they're in the process of releasing all 11 seasons in full, which I can't wait. I cannot wait. And, you know, she's all over YouTube. Yeah, I think kids would appreciate One of the things I loved about her is because I just loved her as an artist then. And she was a huge inspiration to me getting into this business. But since then, learning as an adult just how cool and nice and decent and giving a person she is. I mean, I, I, I picked a pretty good role model. I mean, she's, I mean, I, I, I don't think anyone in Hollywood has ever heard her say a bad thing and they certainly don't have bad things to say about her. And you know, yeah. mm-hmm. how many of those are there? She's amazing. She's got a heart of gold. She's so funny and I, I I just, I don't even know. I mean, there's really no words. I just absolutely adore and love her. And one of the things that stood out to me again in your book is Mama's family. You mentioned that, and that was something that I have on DVD or whatever it is I have it on. My gosh, when they made that into a spinoff series on its own, I about cried. Yeah, I did too. But but I have to say, I don't enjoy Mama's Family as much as the sketches on Carol Burnett because Mama is so much nicer on the series. One of the things I loved about the the earlier family sketches on Carol Burnett, they were brutal. I mean, they were just vicious. It was like Tennessee Williams with a laugh track. And um, 
And I understand why they had to make her softer. If it, you know, a dose of that every week for five years would get you would get bruised. Um, they had to make her more likable for the series. But yeah, I just loved it when they were just screaming at each other, the most hateful insults, and then turning around immediately and like kissing and hugging and making up. Which right, let's face it, right. a lot of too many families are like that. Right, exactly. It was it was a dose of reality in a way. Uh, yeah. You know, you could, oh my gosh! But I wanted to know if you could put together a cast for a new mama's family. Who would you play, and who would you hire as other characters? Um, oh my God! Um, almost have to say my childhood friend Cheryl Burton would have to play Mama because we grew up playing Eunice and Mama as kids, and. To this day, when I see her, we slip right back into those horrible <laughs> accents and those awful insults, and it's just pathetic. Um, that's, that's, my gosh. Um, of course, I guess that means I'd have to play Eunice in drag, which would not be a pretty sight. Um, oh I don't know if I could recast that. That would be like trying to recast Gone with the Wind. You just, you know, there's no replacing those, those actors, really. They're one of a kind. Oh my gosh! But I could see you doing it. I really could. Uh, Maybe for uh, Halloween I, one year. <laughs> yeah. Maybe do a, a a YouTube one or two episode or something of it. You know, just recreating the characters and uh, hmm. doing something. Hmm. Good. That would be good. I would watch it. Sam, you may have created a monster. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that excites me to no end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so thank you for answering my questions, and thank you for being on the show tonight. And I want to say thank you to Anthony for doing the show. Well, thank you for having Absolutely. me. Isn't Anthony good? He's such a good interviewer. Well, you're both great. I always enjoy doing this show because you guys do your homework. Nothing worse than going on a talk show and having them say, well, tell us about yourself. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You do your homework. You ask specific questions. It's always so much fun to do your show. Oh, thank you. Pam gave us the perfect segue. Um, so we're going to go from one classic TV series to another. You had a very interesting and, um, shall we say, tumultuous mm, relationship. What would I call it? With uh, Cindy Brady. And you see no. some great detail in the book. <laughs> I'm not going to give it all away, but um, can you give us an overview of uh, how that all happened? Well, that wasn't really a relationship. That was, at most, it was a one-night stand. <laughs> I should just be totally vague and just let your your listeners draw their own conclusions by the book, thinking we had an affair. Um, I, I, we found ourselves on um, politically different ends of the spectrum on a talk show, and um, had some words on social media uh, as a result. And um, she went off on me. She got fired. It was just, it was like a, I can't use the S word on your show. It was a a poop storm for about a week. Um, Just 
crazy. And it's and what's insane now is like people have no memory of it. But at the time, I was getting like letters from cousins I hadn't heard from in 20 years, and schoolmates, and interview requests from Entertainment Weekly, and then Entertainment Tonight, and CBS. It was like the year-end story on the ABC year-end review, and, and which just struck me as like really <laughs> everything that happened in 2016 a uh, has been and a never was get into an argument on a radio show and that's that's one of your top stories i don't want to give too much away it's it's in the book one of the reasons actually that i um put it in the book is that once i stop talking about it in interviews i never have to talk about it again i can just say oh it's in the book <laughs> read the book yeah. <laughs> and yeah but yeah it was one of the it, it was an early um it was right after the election, and it was just uh, – I think it was just the timing. A lot of people were very frustrated, and it played on a lot of people's frustrations at the time. That's that's a diplomatic yeah, way and, of putting it. And it, it, it absolutely highlights the difference between class in having a difference of opinion and crass. You know, you change one letter, and you have a completely different mm. word definition – and it really, you know, that situation highlights the fact that, you know, there are ways to do things and there are definite, absolute definite ways not to do things. And Leon puts, Leon puts the messages, he puts, he puts it out there in the book and you can draw your own conclusions, but I'm sure you'll draw, you'll all draw the same conclusion that we did. Um, and by will say that all of that because... If you if I know, I just, listen, the listeners remember it vaguely, I mean that chapter has everything in it. I can't imagine you anyone having any questions after reading that chapter, because um, yeah, it's it's pretty thorough. Because you know, and what out. they'll walk away from, what they'll walk away with is it's worth standing up for yourself. You know, I know Always. you said in other interviews that you know were you given the choice, the initial choice to go on the actual show, you wouldn't have. But everything that followed it, you know, it, 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 it most definitely highlights that it's worth standing up for yourself. It's worth standing up for what you believe in, you know, and it may be an S-storm for a little while, but in the end, you know, you can look in the mirror and say, I did the right thing. You, you know, know and it's I also the way the I was raised. My, my dad was always, and it's funny because I, I don't recall my dad ever sitting me down and having a conversation saying, you know, you have to stand up for blah, 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 and all this stuff. But I just, we were always, my sister and I were raised that you didn't back away from a fight. And if you were right, you had a pretty strong foundation and you didn't have to back down. Um, <laughs> that said, sometimes I think I come across as a hypocrite because I, sometimes I'm the least civil person on Facebook that there is. And um, I really need to dial it back sometimes myself, but I try not to go below the belt. Well, there's one person that I get pretty cruel with, but um, anyway, <laughs> other than that, I, I really well, do try not to, to just result to insult. If I well, can help it. You, you know, you depicted it pretty fairly. It's not one sided, you know, and including all the messages and so on and so forth, you know, it gives it the air of authenticity as on top of it. So buy the book, everyone, because yeah, buy the book. <laughs> I, and then email me <laughs> any questions you have. My email address is actually in the front of the book. 
uh, read it and have any questions, I will happily talk, uh, answer questions in private. It's just that the, the problem about talking about it in public is that they're like, how do I say this? There are people in the gray area, kind of in between. And um, I, I, I don't want to alienate or piss off anyone who should not be alienated or pissed off, if that makes any sense. Does that make sense? Okay. It, it does. Sense. It absolutely does. Read and, the book, and that, that'll either piss um, you off or, you know. Or inspire you. Um, yeah, hopefully Pam, inspire you. Our wonderful, Pam, our wonderful show leader, um, calls you Bunky. And yeah. Bunky, comes <laughs> from, Bunky comes from your dad. And My dad's nickname, yeah. One of, the, you know, one of the beautiful running themes through the book is the evolution of your relationship with your dad. You told me a couple of weeks ago to, you know, wait, wait till I get to the end and it will all come together. But for those of us who are LGBT and who may not have had the perfect relationship with a parent, it definitely speaks. It speaks to the ups, the downs, and, and how beautiful it can turn out if you just, if you just live and you just try to live the best, the best way you can with your family, with your friends. So I just want to say thank you for putting that in there. I lost my dad four years ago. and Oh, I'm sorry. You know, it was – thank you. Um, it was helpful to me to be able to kind of go back and put things in perspective. And when, when my dad passed, we were amazing friends. Um, but I, I always say, you know, I found a dad friend later on in life, but growing up, we, he did not understand me. I did not understand him, and, and I couldn't wait to get away. But, you know, perspective and hindsight is twenty twenty. But it's beautiful that, you know, it's beautiful that he's such an actual character in the book. Um, oh, he's, he's one of my best know. friends now, and I just – he's one of the most remarkable – the most remarkable man I've, I know. Or I've ever known, and it's it's a shame it's taken me so long to to get to that point. It's awful that when we're kids, we just we're constantly focusing on the things that we have that that we don't have in common, and you know it takes us most of our adult life to get to a point where we realize, you know, we actually have more in common than <laughs> than I ever really wanted to admit. I mean, we're wildly different, my dad and I, but we do share. Like when we get it in our head to do something, there's no stopping us. Um, and and he's, again, he, my, my dad, you know, you have to understand he, his, he was a period of his time. I think my dad did absolutely remarkable considering the information he had at the time and the stereotypes that were so prevalent at the time. And, you know, 60s, 70s, uh, I don't know too many fathers who could have just easily embraced a gay son i say in the book if i had a son who was like more into football and farming than books and acting i wouldn't have a clue what to do with them either you know absolutely but your perspective you know it 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 evokes the feeling of like you know hey i should kind of go back and and re-look at some of the things that i think and some of the things that i felt um, and, and those words, those words couldn't be truer, you know, for me as well. My dad did the best with what, you know, what he had, where he came from mm-hmm. and who he was. And, you know, I, I remember when I came out to my sister my sister had said something to my dad and, and he was like, 
you know, will tell him there's no need to talk. There's no need to talk to me about it. it it's not happening. Um, you know, and for years I took that as like a battle, a battle armor. Not that I flaunted it in his face, but hey, you don't want to know that, then you don't want to know me. Um, yeah. By the time, by the time he had grandchildren, and he was the most amazing grandfather, and I guess that was most definitely part of a healing process for, for us. But now I look back and and I and I think to myself, you know, he he didn't know a better way, you know. And once oh, I got yeah. over the the anger and, and saw him with, with my niece and nephew, it was like, okay, you know, he may not have been the greatest dad in the world, but he was not in any way, shape or form, a horrible dad. He just you hit was it right. an uninformed. Sorry. That... You hit it right on the head. I mean, that's, that's, that's how they were raised. That was how their fathers were. They didn't know any other way. And, and, you know, it was, the steep learning curve, I think, for both of our dads. Um, God bless them for, like, pushing the envelope and living outside their comfort zone and, and learning to deal. And, you know, thank God we've – you thank God you and I have both reached an age where we can, like, kind of see that, you know, and, 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 and grant a little slack, you know, cut them some slack that we might not have yeah. done when we were 21 or 22. What did you learn? What did you learn about yourself that you didn't know before you started writing this book? Mm, gosh, I could spend the hour just answering that question. The biggest thing probably was how much of a drama queen I was when I was younger. Um, I would tell you <laughs> after you know being growing up and being bullied in school, and then having that cruel summer happen, and. And and then just you know some dramatic stuff early on. I kind of had this mindset that oh, you, you you always have to function in disaster. So you know often when there was no disaster happening, I would create a disaster just to have something to react to. And um, it's been interesting writing the book and kind of realizing oh my god, you didn't have to go through that or that or that <laughs> or that. Um, that's why I always say yeah, I keep telling my friends write write your life story. Because you, you just – and that's just – that's like the first one off the top of my head. There's so many like little lessons. Uh, for, forgiveness. I've forgiven so many people writing this book um, because you, you realize, you know, we all make mistakes. We all do the best we can. Like, you know, talking about dads, we do the best we can with the information we have. And then, you know, 20 years down the road, you look back and go, oh, maybe I was too harsh. Maybe I was too – Rigid. That was, that's something else. I've learned that I was really rigid early on. I've joked a lot that, you know, people think that I'm just like Nathan in Old Dogs and New Tricks. I'm actually, in my 20s, I was much more like muscles, which seems insane because physically I'm nothing like muscles, but I was very much like that character. And I had very strict rules like relationships had to be this. I would only date that kind of guy, you know, which, and again, with age and wisdom, you kind of let go of that stuff. Did you have to do most forgiving of yourself through this process? Well, that's a good question. Um, that is a really good question. Wow. Um, you just stopped me dead in my tracks. I would say, <laughs> I, would, I, would, I guess I would say, yeah, I'd have to, because I mean, I, I don't think if I, 
for for example, if I were still shaming myself over some of the events of Cruel <laughs> Summer, I, I would never even you know flirted with the idea of writing about it. Um, I think, you know, I think I forgave myself before I started writing it because I don't think I could have entertained the idea of writing a memoir if I had that kind of baggage. Um, I try not to have regrets. I try not to, I try not to hold grudges. And when someone annoys me, I try to just like tell them (laughs) immediately and get it off my chest. And sometimes that's not always a good idea, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's about being in the moment really. Um, I guess that was the biggest, biggest lesson in writing the book is, is, is that how much of my life I was not in the moment. And now that I'm, you know, I'm 56, I don't have to worry about, you know, my future or saying, you know, um, I can really be my authentic self and speak my mind and, and not create dramas and not, um, be cruel unnecessarily and not, and including myself and not, you know, beat myself up for mistakes that I've made that I've learned from. Cause I really believe if you, if you learn from a mistake, it stops being a mistake. Maybe that's why I was able to write about some of that stuff. Mm, that's a really good point. It becomes a life lesson and a learning experience. Yeah. yeah I, I really like that. Is there I think I learned I know. learned that from acting actually because you know you make a lot of mistakes especially when you're starting out as an actor and you hopefully learn from them and um, and yeah if you learn from it then it's a lesson not a mistake. Is there anyone you were afraid to actually have read the book now that it's done? Oh yeah, but if I say who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well. No, I can say there's a couple co-stars, a couple actors I've worked with who probably are not going to be too thrilled. For the most part, I've changed names when I needed to legally. Um, there are a couple actors I didn't need to legally, but nonetheless, that they, um, although I don't know, one of them's such an egomaniac, he'll probably thrill just to see his name in print. So what do I know? And I'm not going to say which one I'm talking about. <laughs> you probably can figure it out but um actually susan olsen if there's the, the day i get the email from her will be the day my stomach do, day does my a stomach flip flop but so, that day may so- never come hello hold on leon yeah you still there? Um, Anthony we went over. just dropped. Oh. Well, well then we'll just oh, talk to you until he calls. <laughs> and he's back. Hold on. All right. Okay. I, I don't know what is going on. I'm having tough technical guilt difficulties here today. Can you hear Chief Jones? doesn't seem to like you today. Anthony, yeah, I got cheekbones because um, I do. My cheekbones frequently will disconnect calls on my my cell phone. Sometimes <laughs> that's the only thing I can figure out. It'll just disconnect, and it's like, well, okay, they must have just hit my cheekbone. I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like a good excuse. 
I, you know what? I'm going to go with that the next time. Now my cheekbone, my cheekbone hung up on you. <laughs> um, so, wow. Way to break, way to break a great conversation. Um, where were we? Okay. I don't know. So you want to, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go to old dogs, your new tricks. And, you know, I love this. You told us on, uh, on, on our show a while back and, and, uh, you told it in a conversation we had recently as well. <laughs> what were you originally going to call it? <laughs> no, you're going to make me say that again. <laughs> I am. <laughs> it was a working title, Silver Foxes, which makes me gag to this day. It's almost as bad as the word webisode. Um, yeah, Silver Fox. I just it was I had to have something to call it while I first started writing it and you know, Golden Girls, Silver Foxes. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, it didn't last too long. <laughs> but you know, it's not a totally inaccurate title. I mean, it, it could have worked, but I think there's been shows called that since. So, no, and it, you know, it, the Old Dogs opens up at Nathan's 50th. Um, yes. you know, and it, it it most definitely set the tone. And so now, you know, the 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 show has almost a cult, you know, a cult fan base. I, the popularity is is great. It's amazing. You know, it made it to Amazon. Now that you look back on it, you know, it, it was definitely a journey to read the book. It was definitely a journey to get it out there. Now that you look back on it, you know, what are you, what, what are you most proud of? And, and, you know, what does it mean to you now to know that that legacy is, is going to precede you? You know, it's going to follow that, way longer you know, than any of us will be here. One hopes. I mean, God, <laughs> until Amazon gets sold to Netflix and they just take us off or something, I don't know. Um, it's incredibly gratifying. I mean, just I, there's I mean, I couldn't possibly list all the positive things resulted from that show. The biggest takeaway for me is just connecting with viewers and having them tell me like, oh, my God, you just told my story that that happened a lot. And that was incredibly gratifying. You know, oh my gosh, my friends are just like that. You know, that that kind of thing. Um, but just to have that a substantial body of work that you can be proud of, because I've you know I've done a lot of things I'm proud of that disappeared, and I've done a lot of crappy <laughs> shows that unfortunately stuck around longer than they should have. Um, so it's nice to have something of value and merit um, with my name on it that I'm really proud of. Um, so that's that's the takeaway. But yeah, talking to viewers and and really making the connection, and I made so many friends during the course of that show, both on the set and with the people involved in the show, but also with viewers and and some like Jason and Scotia and and some who are like good friends now who went from just being, I don't want to say just fans because fans are remarkable, but went from fans to producers to actually good friends in my life. Um, but again, I could just, I could, like, I could speak for the next 12 hours about all the, the good things. Um, it was an incredible, incredible, and you know, this is take two radio. I want to shout out not, not daytime actors and daytime actors fans, the daytime actors, I swear to God, they show up, they know their lines. Not only just their lines, their motivation, they, they have ideas, they ask questions, they nail it on the first take. And soap opera fans are the most wonderful. I mean, uh, Tom Beertz was one of was 
the first um, actor we got from Young and the Restless and the fan base he brought. And to this day, I, I'm friends with a lot of them. I mean, they are really devoted and faithful. And um, so that, that was another great thing in connecting with that wonderful fan base that has kept daytime TV alive despite itself, despite the networks wanting to just kill it off completely. Um, so Absolutely. many great things. Absolutely. Stop me whenever you need to, because I could just go on and on. Well, I, you know, I, I've always wanted to ask this, and, and since it's just me tonight, um, how, how conscious were you in creating, and, and then, I mean, it came back again and again and again. How conscious were you of, of the fact that, yes, there are camp moments, it's, you know, it is a, a sexual comedy, um, but were you conscious that it was really one of the, the first shows? We had Will and Grace. You know, we now have Modern Family ending. Please don't get me started on what I think about them. But don't get me started either. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk in private of, about that. <laughs> <laughs> you were the, one of the first shows that showed us for who we really are and how we really are. And yeah, again, like I said, the camp moments were there. And, and you know, we all have a Jack McFarlane kind of friend. We, you know, yeah. we all have a muscle. A Nelson Benetti. <laughs> yeah, you know, but honestly, it was the first time that we saw so many different shades of our community, um, you know, and played out. Was that something that you, you know, you were actively working towards or, you know, or is that just your storytelling and it just came out to be that way? Um, well, first, I want to give uh, credit where it's due. We were kind of part of a wave. There were, you know, shows, most of them after our pilot, but no, it was a wave uh, where the bears are and husbands. And um, so we, we, weren't, we weren't really, we might have been, were we the first? I don't know if we were taking, I'd have to look that up before I claim that title. But it, yeah, it was a wave. Um, I wanted it to be real. You know, I wanted the characters. Um, I wanted them to feel like the viewer's friends. You know, I wanted the viewer to feel like they were a fifth old dog. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do. Did, I did want to have moments of camp. That's really where Bruce Hart and Nelson Van Eddy came off so well. And if you notice, every time they have a fight, whenever I feel like the show goes too far campy, I reel it back and it was just a dream or a fantasy or a, um, yeah, yeah. I found a way to have our cake and eat it too, but because I really wanted to, and you know, it's funny. I have so many people have like given me compliments on our um, Halloween special, WeHo Horror Story. I personally feel like that probably the least realistic, you know, the most fantastical of all the episodes we did. It's Halloween, I guess we got away with it. But yeah, overall, I really wanted it to feel real and relatable, and. Funny, but but grounded in reality. As much as we could, well, I mean, it'll be you know I, funny and sexy. I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a a, a daytime soap fan perspective, a, a primetime drama fan perspective. You okay. know, it's those special episodes that you know. Last year, Days of Our Lives did a phenomenal Halloween episode. You know, and even in. You know, even in the doldrums, it's like, hey, you know, I want to put that back on because I'm having a bad day. I want to lay in bed mm-hmm. and so on. And so, you know, and so when those, you know, when you have that base where 
these we are the fifth. We are the fifth old dog. You're absolutely right. You know, and then to put on something that's fanciful and fun and playful, you know, it's a bonus. I guess yeah. You know, so now that you put it put it that way, I guess it's kind of like the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Exactly. Exactly. I'll look. Okay, yes. I'll look at it in that perspective. Thank you for that. Okay, that that kind of. All right. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so you're putting out, you know, you've been putting out an episode a day. Um, I know that there were plans, there were plans to revisit old dogs. What can you tell us about about the possibility that we'll get a final season? Well, you know, like everything else in the universe, it's kind of on hold. We had a, a fundraiser. We just, I was against the idea for the longest time because I felt like I'd finally made peace with the show was over. And a couple of the actors and my husband, the producer, and several fans have really been like, no, 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 you never did a, a, a series finale. And they know that I'm a sucker for a good series finale. And um, <laughs> so I eventually gave in and we started raising, uh, started a fundraising campaign and then <laughs> COVID happened. So we kind of just put that on the back burner. If when we can do it, I would love to do it. Um, it'd be interesting to see how one writes a sex comedy post COVID-19. But in the interim, mm. actually, let me tell you about this because the interim um, this coming Tuesday um, Arvin Batista, who was um, a, a driving force of the show behind the scenes, he was our season one. Well, he directed episodes all through the entire run, but was our sole director in the first season, who was very influential in the development of the show. He and I are going to have a watch party on Facebook Tuesday night of the entire first season. So um, pe- people go to my Facebook page. Uh, I'm going to have information up probably tomorrow with links for that. Basically, we're going to watch the entire first season and just chat with viewers and answer their questions while we do. Um, the second thing we're working on, I don't have a date for this, but it is something we're working on. We were so inspired by uh, Parks and Rec is doing one, but um, uh, Gracie and Frank. So I always get that title. Is it Frank and, Frankie and Grace or Grace and Frankie? Anyway, they did a, a, a Zoom table read of an unproduced episode. So we um, all the old dogs cast is on board and we're trying to organize a zoom reading of three episodes that no one has seen yet. So that is very exciting. We hope to get that up um, sometime in May. Yes. You know, I'm not a singer. I can't sing you a tune live on Facebook, but I'm doing the next best thing. (laughs) Do you have any bloopers or, or things that didn't make it to the final cut that, that you could, you know, once, once the episodes are finished and, and you put, you know, one a day, oh, a yeah. bunch of seasons. You know, they're actually, you they're on YouTube, you know. Stuff? They're on YouTube, and I have to say, you know, we ran through the run of the series now. I'm not posting episodes anymore because we went through them all, but maybe that's something I could post. Because, yeah, we have blooper reels for all three seasons. Um, we also actually, on YouTube, there are um, um, commentaries, like the entire season with me giving commentary. Those are on YouTube too. I guess I could post those on Facebook too, couldn't I? Hmm. You're just giving me all sorts of inspiration, Anthony. You and I should talk every day. <laughs> <laughs> not not on the radio. I wouldn't bore everyone every day with that. But no, yeah, we should <laughs> call me every day and inspire me with new ideas. Well, you said earlier that everybody should write a book. 
And I like that as the message of, of the project itself. But what do you want the message, what do you want people to take away once they're, you know, what's the, the driving message of your book? Um, probably I would like people to walk away with it, with a sense of, um, it's okay to pursue your dreams, even if you know, you're not going to make a living at it, especially nowadays. I mean, because the internet's changed everything. It's, it's hard to make a living as a, as a journalist, as you know, so many Mm. industries have been kind of like kneecapped by the internet. Don't let that stop you. And, and also we are in the world of DIY. Maybe that's what I should have called the book, the DIY queen. But um, if you want to do a series and no one will hire you to do one, do one yourself. If you want to write a book, you know, back in the day in the eighties and nineties, they called it the vanity press. It was like shameful to, to publish your own book. That, that stigma has gone. And it's so easy to do it now. If you want to publish a book, you know, make sure you write a good book first, but, you know, publish it yourself. Don't wait. And I, this has always been something I think is since I was a kid, you just don't wait for someone to give you permission. If you really want to do something, you just figure out how you can do it. And then you do it. Awesome. So tell our listeners where they can find the book. Um, you've already said multiple times that we can get all dogs and new tricks both back on YouTube, but it is on Amazon Prime, everyone. It is yes. available to you stream just, when if you, you are a Prime member for free. When you um, when you search for it, be sure to type in that ampersand, yeah. old dogs <laughs> and new tricks. Otherwise, you're going to get a British show called New Dogs. And you're going to get um, this college show called new dogs and old tricks. Yeah, there are all sorts of variations. But for some reason, that ampersand will take you to the right show. And the book? And the book, Sub-Liberty. You can go to Amazon.com and just search either my name, Leon Acord, which is A-C-O-R-D, or the book title, Sub-Liberty, and that's a hyphen between sub and liberty, and we didn't even talk about that yet. (laughs) And... um, (laughs) For any other links to follow me on Facebook or Twitter or any of those, go to my website, Leon Acord. That's L-E-O-N-A-C-O-R-D.com, and scroll down to the contact page, and all my links are there. David, do we have anyone else calling in? You know, I have someone who might be interested in calling in. Let me, uh... Do we have time for a caller? We do. Yeah, we we do, and David actually had to step away for a moment, so I'm back on here. And I want to ask you. <laughs> and I want to ask you one question before you bring somebody else on. Uh-huh. Now, Absolutely. I've asked I've asked this question of several guests in the past, um, but I'm going to change the age of it. I, I usually ask, "What would you tell your 16 year old self?" Um, you know, about life now and what you should worry or not worry about. But I'm going to change it back to seven or eight-year-old Leon because that really stuck out to me. That was like kind of the beginning of your merry-go-round. Understanding. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Pam. That is a good question. Um, First of all, I'd give him a big hug. Poor guy. 
and um, I would I would I would confirm that yes, you are right. Those people making fun of you are assholes. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, seven and eight, yeah, I wouldn't be too specific about any kind of romantic stuff or college stuff. Yeah. I I would just say, just 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 keep being you. I guess is what I would say, and just don't let the turkeys get you down. Just keep on trucking. That's that was a phrase back in that era. I, maybe I would use yeah, that. You would relate to that. Keep on trucking. I'm here. I'm hip to that, yeah. Cool. <laughs> I even visualized the T-shirt with the big foot. Yeah, keep on trucking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. And, and I'm not going to say I was that age and that I actually uh, physically owned one. I'm just going to pretend it was something that my mother wore, okay? Yeah, you saw the grown-ups wearing that. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> oh my gosh so we have a caller so we're going to bring him on because I have a feeling I know who it is Hello, caller. you might know who it is <laughs> I think I know who that me? is am I on <laughs> I welcome, welcome, welcome you are hi everyone Yes, I would like everyone to meet my husband, Lawrence Whiting. Hello there. Yes, this is Lawrence Whiting. It's been marvelous listening to Anthony and Pam. And actually, I have to. That was a crappy introduction. My husband and my producing partner at Larry Productions, Lawrence Whiting. There we go. There. Applause, applause. Was fake humility. <laughs> Cut! The lighting wasn't right on that, Leon, and I think you stumbled over it. Fake belief. <laughs> Leon, you have been fired for the second time tonight. <laughs> well, see, that's, see, that's why you guys are the, the show hosts, and I'm just a merely <laughs> sub-liberty who pops into pretend to be a, a star <laughs> oh Leon, Leon Leon you have no idea how I want to dive into the sub of sub liberty but I'm going to be it's take two radio I'll let everybody use their imagination <laughs> <laughs> but I Lawrence, deny all I deny everything <laughs> well Lawrence, okay, as, as so Leon's husband I will us. tell you as Leon's husband, I will tell you one thing. Um, you know, he does refer to himself in this book as a celebrity. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but um, you know, from a from a perspective of life at home, there's one person who definitely plays the star, and I'll just say that's not me. <gasps> <laughs> and now the secrets come out. Well. As, okay. <laughs> and as Joan Collins would say, I I don't want to have to fight with someone for the mirror. So I I, I guess I guess I have to cop it and own that. Well, and which is why we moved. It, why why we have a double sink now? I know we're yeah. two mirrors. We don't have to compete. The secret to a yes. happy marriage. Yes, the double sink bathroom is definitely definitely a must in in especially these days with all the hand washing going on. You've got to have two sinks in that bathroom. Are they Absolutely. six feet apart, though? 
They are actually, you know, they're about four feet. So if we had to, we could kind of lean out. Well, if we had to, but, you know, we figure at this point, um, you know, it's it's, (laughs) – we're all we've got. So, um, unfortunately, for the most part, we're getting along actually quite well. As Leon said much, much earlier, um, we've had some moments of absolute hilarity, which I think have been a combination of love and something funny and ridiculous happening, and also the general sort of, you know, entrapment being being <laughs> yeah, being locked in 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 the same place for for 42 days. But you know, I have to say that that's that's a minor complaint because um, we're keenly aware that there are people who are suffering suffering significantly. There are, suffering. there are yeah. there are the frontliners who are out there every single day, 24/7 really truly saving lives and 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 are the true heroes so you know what what we're trying to do what i try to do as a producer is to support leon what leon is trying to do is simply to entertain people and the goal you mentioned you know why do the book at this time or the the sort of reverse you know uh do the ebook first because we thought well okay it's really leon's thing but he felt he was heartfelt about it. He wanted to put something out there that would give people some joy even if it was just for a few minutes and that may sound corny but it's true. No, we thank him for that. I mean, that's truly somebody that has a heart and it shows and you wear it on your sleeve, whether you think so or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. And you You know, know, I have to add one other thing as, as husband, I won't, I won't go on too long because the show is really uh, about Leon, but this is also about Leon. It was a joy for me. It was a, he, you know, I read pages as I was going along, but then, I, of course, eventually I was able to, to read the entire book. And, and I have to say, um, my own husband impressed me. I've known him for um, coming on. It'll be June. We'll have been together. Bye, bye. I'm aging us. Um, 28 years. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I, 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 I just learned so much. You know, he would refer to little things, especially the first part where he was growing up, and I had no idea how hard he worked, like that he literally worked that hard on a farm, you know, hands to the bone kind of thing. Um, because I've only known him as a an erudite city dweller. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, you know, so there, there is a character that Leon has that this is sort of this solid Midwestern. You know, his parents, who are just incredible people, and his entire family, really, I adore them all, um, have given him a wonderful foundation. I, on the other hand, and that's why, you know, I think part of our relationship works uh, well on this level is that I, had a, I came from a broken home. I did not have good examples. His parents have been married, what now, 55 years, Leon? Oh, um, 60, I think. 60 years? Um, yeah. Yeah, probably about. Oh my God, probably about. You're right. Wait, that needs that needs a moment. Hold on, sixty years. God bless. That needs a moment. Sorry, Lawrence. Lawrence, continue. No, no, no. That's that's why I brought it up. (laughs) I gotta say, that's one of you know the secrets to a. There are many secrets to a long, happy marriage. Having good role models is one of the biggest secrets of a successful marriage. I'm very lucky to have parents who, and you know, not to say they didn't have times when both Tammy and I were like, guys, maybe you should split up, but they fought it through and made it work. And they love each other more now than they ever have. And they're just so cute to see together now. So yeah, I'm very lucky. Yeah. And you know, I think for Leon, um, because his parents have had their ups and downs as all couples do, 
Um, but I think that was a good example for him. You know, as we've talked about, as Leanne talked about in the book, there um, were not, at, uh, certainly not at the time of my growing up, um, and I think for Leon as well, he's a little bit younger than me, six years younger. Um, there were no role models for how to do a gay relationship. There was no such thing, really. Um, yeah. So what you do, you you had you had uh, to look at well, other no. examples. There were role models. We were supposed to grow up, be miserable, kill ourselves, and die. That was the well, role models. Yeah, exactly. We had. Exactly. But I mean, I'm talking, of course, about positive role models. And straight oh, people have trouble with positive role models. So his, his yeah. parents are, are great that way, and I think that's given him a certain stability, and I think it's helped um, our relationship in that sense as well. Yeah. Yeah, it truly well, makes a difference. Absolutely. And we're very glad you consented to come on. I, I It was a spur-of-the-moment idea, but you guys are so awesome on Facebook and, and the rest of the platforms. And for those that are intimate with, with Leon, as far as, you know, following. Wait a minute. Thousands of people who've been intimate with Leon. <laughs> for those of us who can call Leon an actual friend. <laughs> absolutely. There you go. <laughs> we, we love and, and are inspired and inspired by, you know, the beautifulness of 28 years of the product, you know, the producing partnership, but also, you know, it's, it's, it's very apparent how much you like each other, you know, loving each other is one thing, but not everybody who loves each other likes each other. We're so, I, you know, I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, you're you're absolutely right, Anthony, and 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 we feel I personally feel very very blessed. Very, I mean that's you know everyone uses that word, but truly, uh, it, it's it's a stroke of lightning when when you have someone in your life, as we both do with each other, that you know we truly are. I mean, and it's not like we agree all the time or get along all the time, but we truly are great friends above all, and um, just very lucky to have that. Yeah. Can I ask you two two hard slash dramatic questions and then have a little fun with the two of you? <laughs> Is that okay? Sure. I'm not that's, up, that's up to the celebrity. Okay. <laughs> I can always sure you can always ask a question. <laughs> if you tell me I'm going to have fun, should I like release my call or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, Pamela. I promise I'll keep it PG thirteen. <laughs> so twenty eight years, you know, you guys work together. You guys are best friends. There had to have been hard times. What kept it, you know, what's the secret? What would you say I'm, I'm going on my first year with the most amazing person, the most amazing man I have ever met? What's, what's your secret? What would you use to get through the hard times? Lawrence, do you want to go first or should I? I'll go first. Because you're the celebrity. You know, the star always gets the final shot. Um, Don't you, he never remembers that at home. Like a true producer. <laughs> I'm going to hold him. I'm going to remind him he said those words. 
ultimately, just, just of course. This, just play back this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, of course, you know, years and years and years, you go through so many different things, and that also includes life events like, you know, deaths of relatives and friends and, and births and weddings and, you know, all of those life experiences and careers and, and then now an epidemic and previously 9-11s and great depressions. And, you know, so you go obviously through a lot. Um, I guess the, the simplest is that, first of all, in a sense, we took our time. We did not live together for almost a whole year before we did. And we were practically living together, but there was something good about not officially living together that I think kind of helped us in that first year. And, and yeah. because, you know, we're, we're, we, we, I, I think, I don't think we really talked about this, but I don't think either one of us wanted to lose our individual identities. Neither of us had actually been with somebody, with anybody, you know, in a relationship sense for a while at that point when we met. So I, I think for me, and I can't speak for Liam, but I know, I, I, I'm sure I felt in my heart I didn't want to lose myself at the same time. Because you can tumble into love very easily and then tumble mm-hmm. out of it, you know, in a horrible manner. And then when we finally did live together, we, <laughs> we did nothing but fight for the first five years. Um, a lot of, <laughs> well, not you know, five years. But <laughs> well, it, it, it was, no, but there were years that, remember, and, and I look at this very um, matter-of-factly, um, to a man and a woman, a woman and a woman and a man and a man are very different dynamics. Each of those dynamics are different. You're talking about two male egos. You know, it's, it's just a different dynamic um, mm-hmm. with really every relationship. So, you know, there was a lot of head, headbutting and stuff like that. Um, so there were times when it got really bad. There were times when we almost broke up. There were, there were all sorts of, you know, or when we threatened to break up. Um, the simplest advice I can give is if you really love the person at the beginning, if you really, really have had felt that way, if you really felt like this is the one, then don't let that temporary anger get the better of you. Stick it out. That's the, the, it's, mm. it's so easy to, to walk away. It's so much easier to walk away when things are tough. I, I have gone through so much pain to get to the other side where there is the joy and the love. Now, after 28 years, I'm shocked to say, that I, we probably get along better than ever in many ways. In some ways, we're more independent because we are older and you kind of, you know, you, you have different horizons and different views. But on, 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 on the fundamental level, I do honestly believe that getting through all of this stuff made it even better now to get here. And now I'm looking at, you know, I'll retire, let's say, within the next five to seven years. I'm not that old, but I'd like to slow down at least. Um, and I would also like to perhaps dabble in other things without the pressure of a quote unquote career. Um, Cause my career has always been as a catering and events professional. And then on the side with Leon, in fact, I would love nothing more than spend more time supporting Leon stuff. Cause I love it. I love the old dogs and new tricks is one of the greatest experiences of my entire life. That whole episode of shooting four seasons and the cast and the crew and the incredible people, incredible people that you get to meet when you're in that industry. He brought that to me. It's great. It's one of the greatest gifts I've ever had. And that's really the greatest gift I have from Leon is his heart, his soul, who he is um, has helped inform better who I am, even though in career perspectives, we've, you know, we're, we're still in separate careers and doing separate things, but I love hopping over into his world. And every once in a while, he's even hopped over into my world. 
And then hop quickly Ooh. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's definitely, let me put it this way. I'm the cook in the family. What was the, what was the joke the other day when you said, um, honey, I can cook. No. Uh, Lawrence actually literally the other day, I said, you know, he was kind of complaining. I don't feel like cooking. I said, I can cook. And he's, <laughs> without censoring himself first, which maybe he should have, he responded, I don't want your food. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. But this yeah. is a running thing. He's telling this, you know, it is a little bit out of context. There is a history. And Not a horrible this cook. Way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just a much better cook. I am a caterer. By trade, that doesn't mean I'm a great master chef, but you know I can I can work my way around the kitchen. Um, if we had the cook. money, I would hire a cook because I <laughs> love being cooked for. <laughs> and he loves to eat. We both love to eat, actually. Yeah, we. Both but I want to answer. I, I want to answer that question too. Um, yeah. My answer. My answer to it is, um, you have to like like and respect the person. You can't just be lust, and you can't. You have to, you can't think with your head, you know, your intellect or with your eyes, like they've got to look like this or they've, they, they've got to do this for a living or drive that kind of car or God forbid even be, you know, my same political affiliation. You have to be open to your heart and, and go by that reaction, how your heart reacts when you meet the person and how you feel when you're with the person. Because um, as I said earlier, I was like muscles and old dogs and new tricks. I had all these rules, and once I left the and, and never had any success in dating. You re, you read the book. Uh, <laughs> once I let go of all that stuff and uh, listened to my friends and realized this is about a, a connection other than just physical or just one, or it's about a kind of a, a a synergy kind of thing that you that happens when you meet the right person. So I my biggest piece of advice, other than the two sinks in the bathroom is just keep your heart open. And when you find yourself reacting to someone that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of as a romantic partner, stay open to that. Go and go lean into it because you'll be surprised. That's very often the direction you should be going. I'm done. And real, real quick, who, you know, in relationships and I don't care if it's, you know, hetero or gay or whatever, there's always one person that says, I'm sorry first, just so that you guys can get past whatever you're going through at the moment. It's, it's, the, gardener, oh it's the, gar- the gardener and the flower. <laughs> Neil Simon yeah. says it perfectly. He says in every relationship, yeah. one person is the flower and one person is the gardener. Uh, Lawrence is the gardener. <laughs> He's the one who. Well, no, wait, well, wait a minute though. Says I'm sorry first though. Yeah, no, that would be Lawrence. That would be. Lawrence. Um. <laughs> I'm the nice one. No, um, I, you know, it, the, 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 it usually the, takes the, three hours of not talking before he does, but he well, will <laughs> say I'm sorry first. I'm I'm <laughs> sure that we're you know we all have our little picadillos, our little ups and downs and idiosyncrasies. Um, but um, and 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 you know I think in a relationship like I I kind of said earlier there 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 there's a certain balance I think that is achieved in a good relationship and I think that's kind of like uh, chemistry that you can't predict it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen mm-hmm. it can be developed more 
we've worked on the relationship in our early years, I'd say within the first 10 years, we did, you know, couples therapy and all sorts of stuff to, to, to address things. Um, so, but I like it, you know, I, I, I try not to be too codependent, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I'm a nurturer by nature. Um, and I literally like gardening and, and watering and, and seeing things grow. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of naturally a person who likes to promote and, and, um, support. Um, so as such, when, you know, I'm married, you know, when we got together and he initially wasn't really acting, he had just finished a film that he had produced and, and directed and written and starred in himself. And it took years of his life and it's all in the book. Egomaniac. It's all in the book. Um, but it's he was kind book. of exhausted, I think from that. And he wasn't really wanting to, I really ratcheted <laughs> that up because I saw the talent in Leon and the potential and I, you know, and I felt it was unrealized potential. And so, you know, I, I started pushing him, but Leon does not rely on me. And I want to be really clear about that as much as, well, he might rely on me in certain ways that, you know, he can express, but in other words, he's very, very self-directed. I, I do not have to push, encourage. He's like a creativity. Well, there, there's constantly stuff coming up. So what I need to do when, you know, when he's got serious projects that he's working on is help him shape them in such a way that, you know, they will be whatever viable to the goal is to be viable in whatever way that means. Cause for him, it's not, he's an artist. It's really not typically about money. I'm more interested in the money. <laughs> I'm like, can we make money? <laughs> but you know, he's, he's an artist in that way. He truly just wants to create and make people happy, make himself happy with it because it can be a joyful <laughs> and also painful experience to create art. Um, and figure out how and to then, pay you know, for it and later. Then we try, you know, but I, I, I like the idea of, you know, we live in a capitalist society. What, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, monetizing it and turning it into something that can earn you a living. Um, it's not done that yet, actually, for either one of us, but we're always working on it. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have let's have a little bit of fun before before we finish up for tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Lawrence a couple of questions and Leon feel free to jump in along the way, but I will start with does Leon snore? <laughs> That's actually a really funny question. Um <laughs> A little, you know, not a lot. I, 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 a little. I'm not trying to start a fight between the two of you. I no, promise. no, no. Are you kidding? That fight was that long ago. I know. I have a worse habit than snoring. I'm told. I um, I make noise in my sleep, but it's not does, like talking in noises. my sleep. I like grunt and that kind yeah, of stuff. Any, any, any yawns, like really loud, scary yawns in the middle of the night. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's like, he, 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 he doesn't move or get out of bed or sleepwalk or anything, but you know, sometimes there can be these really kind of weird sounds that come out, but they're not Blood snores. Curling. They're not snores. Um, so they might sort of jar me out of my sleep temporarily, but after all these years, I'm kind of used to it. Which is his better side? Is that a question for me? I either one of you, but oh, okay, let well, Leon answer it. Well, I know the answer, of course. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Go on, Leon. Which is your better side? Oh, it's uh, the well, it's my right, but it would be your left. All right. you're looking at me, it'd be my left side. Just because I have a oh. lump in my nose, where if I turn my head a certain way, it disappears. So yeah, that's my good. <laughs> 
<laughs> that comes from being hundred in front of cameras for a hundred years. So exactly. Who does the dog love just a little bit more? Um, our our doggy is gone. He died a couple of years ago. We have a cat now, Toby. But the dog oh God, Charlie, the dog Charlie loved Lawrence way more than me. He I, I don't agree with Lawrence. That. I don't well, agree it was the that. truth. Whether you agree or not, it doesn't matter because it's true. Anyway, it's it, it's <laughs> now even because the cat loves him more. <laughs> I disagree. So the cat loves us different but equal. You know, like how <laughs> kids kids act differently with a mother than they do with a father. I mean, that's kind of how our cat is. I'm the the rough hat housing dad, and Lawrence is the nurturing mom. So we have different relationships with the cat, but he loves us both. Well, and the cat, to be honest, you know, because I, I am the, the like that figure that I'm the one who takes the cat to the vet and stuff like that. Although Leon sometimes will come with me. I initiate it. I make it happen. He knows that he knows he's hiding from me when he doesn't want to go to the vet. So in a sense, it's like Leon's the fun one, the dad he can play <laughs> with. And I'm, the, I'm a little bit more of the disciplinarian and like we got to get this, you know, serious stuff done. And that's with Leon right. too. I'm the one who's pushing him to go to the doctor. You know, when not now. I'm not talking about now, but in normal circumstances, if he's got a sniffle or something's bothering him, I'm like, okay, I'm making an appointment. Right or left side of the bed? Um. Oh God, I have to think about that. I've never even really. Oh, well, I mean, typically, which side? Wait a minute. If you're facing it. Well, if you're lying in it and looking out, I'm on the left typically. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm now on the left. Sometimes I've been on the right. It depends. It's currently on the you, left. You get bored and you switch around. Um, it's and, the you only know, time you. It's the only time you will ever find me on the right of anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's as political as I'm going to go tonight. All right. And the last one. What are your pet names for each other? We actually have the same pet name for each other. We have the same pet name for each other. It's really weird. And neither of us actually remembers where it came from. No, I remember where it came from. You do? Early in oh, our relationship. Exclusive. But you heard it your first. Go on. Say, saying good morning to each other, waking up and saying good morning, but being because I was a smoker at the time. I was always a long concerned. time. It's over 20 years ago now. Yeah. Over 20 years. I, I was always concerned about morning smoker breath. So I would always put the blanket in front of my mouth and I would say morning, which somehow evolved into Momo, which has now become like, it's like Aloha. Momo in our relationship means hello, goodbye. I love you. I'm thinking of you. We say it's it probably like, 20 I, times. I, I, I liken it to like a, 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 a bird call, like a call. Like, <laughs> And it's <laughs> momo, 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 momo. <laughs> so you know, like if I'm if I wake up in the morning and he wakes up in the morning, it's like say momo. When I say goodbye, I might say bye, momo. Aww, or just during the middle of the day, we'll send each other a you know direct message. Momo, how's your day going? Yeah, momo, like if one of us is working, you know, we're working at our desks during the day and we're apart. Even if we, sometimes we might just be in the other room from each other. So that, yeah, that's our that's our little call. Oh, I'm really embarrassed. I know you should be. (laughs) Well, we will end this on a different kind of note. What next for each of you separately, together, um, and 
please tell me that Old Dogs is not the last series you're going to think about doing. That it's, it's not the what, what, what? That Old Dogs is not the last series, you know, that, 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 that you're not done. Please oh, you no, know, it's more. funny you should yeah. mention that because once, I mean, if we ever do get past, you know, raise the money and do more Old Dogs, Bruce Hart and I are actually, we have a, um, a, a, uh, Actually, well, I can go into detail because you know all the people involved. Jeffrey Hartgraves, who wrote Carbon Stone, before he mm-hmm. passed, he and I created a concept for a TV sitcom. And Bruce Hart and I are going to um, try to pull together a pilot. It's called Hollywood mm-hmm. Has Been, and that's all I'm going to tell you. But it's a, it's a oh, old-fashioned nice. sitcom. So hopefully we'll nice. pull that off. And, and, and I, I want to explore more writing because I really enjoyed it. So I, I may do a series of old dogs novels if we're not able to, you know, get the series going right away. Or um, So, yeah, for me, it's writing and maybe a series and, um, and just growing old gracefully. <laughs> more like disgracefully, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, Lawrence, thank you for coming on. What's next for, for you? Absolutely, my pleasure to be on, um, and thank you so much because you guys really have supported Leon for years, and, and years. Um, you, you know his his proud husband appreciates that very much. Um, well, yeah, as I uh, mentioned, and of course it's referred to many times in the book. Um, aside from everything I do to support Leon professionally, I am a um, I'm actually my official title is director of events and concert services at the Mondrian Los Angeles Hotel. For those of you who know the Mondrian, it's a, an illustrious and iconic Sunset Strip Hotel. With um, the Sky Bar. A lot of people know where the Sky Bar, that's where it is. Oh, yeah, Sky Bar. It's, it's, yes. it's well, in fact, the Sky Bar is really kind of an internationally known uh, night spot and destination. Um, and it's a great place to work. Unfortunately, the hotel closed on March 22nd, um, along with most of the other hotels on the Strip and around L.A., uh, we're all, as as you know, currently on lockdown, and that in California that doesn't look to be ending dramatically anytime soon. So, um, you know, for me, I'm helping Leon obviously with his projects. I'm doing some of my own um, uh, with you know people in my industry because uh, my industry uh, is basically serving large groups of people, and so we're having to look at how to. Um, and um, react and respond in a positive way to the changes that are undoubtedly going to happen as we start to resume life. Because as we start to resume life, things will not be exactly the same as they were. You know, the situation with restaurants and, and, you know, people, places where people gather is all a matter of concern, both within my industry and, and for us at large as a society. So, um, I'm furloughed. I, I wasn't laid off, which means that when the hotel does reopen, I will be part of that team that is um, kind of trying to determine what the new normal is going to be. Awesome. Thank you both. But for I like what I do. Home. I like what Leon does. And, you know, um, we're all in this together, truly. This is a, a weird time for all of us. <clears throat> but, um, I, we're, you know, we're, we're strong people. Um, we'll get. I mean, humankind are strong. Um, the world. And Pam, has, has Pam we were talking about. Part. We were talking about our love of Carol Burnett. I remember in the last episode of the Carol Burnett show, she said, and I've this has been like one of my lifelong mottos: change is growth. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to embrace that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's not easy for us, but, you know, you think about the kids and what they're going through right now. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. uh, you just can't even imagine ever going through something like this. So you got to think of the positives and come out better for it. We all do. We all have to go through whatever is that everybody's going through. And, again, as I said much earlier, there's some people who are truly suffering, who've lost relatives, who might be sick themselves. Those very people, some of them may be listening to this broadcast. And, you know, my heart goes out to them. And um, so, you know, we just, whatever we can do in our small way, we got to do. Absolutely. And that includes, you yeah. know, having a conversation. If, you know, if there's anyone listening to this show right now who's alone and feeling really kind of desperate, I, I'm open to the world on Facebook. Send me a friend request and a message, and I'll and we'll talk. I, no one should have to be going through this without any kind of connection to the outside world. I can't even. I think of my time, the kissing the frogs era of the book. If this had happened during those days of my life, I would be a frickin' basket case right now. So reach out if you're feeling that you know scared and alone, reach out, reach out, reach out to me if you have no one else to reach out to, but but do try to connect. And Pam and I can attest to, if you message him, he will answer you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get sick of how much I respond. <laughs> no, absolutely not. You're such a pleasure. No. Thank you. Yeah, this show, this show, you know, is, is it's about the soap operas in its concept, but we're also all about promoting positivity. We don't allow bashing on our show. We don't allow, you know, and in fact, we strive very hard to put, to put to right some of the prevailing attitudes and stuff that are out there. And, you know, I think ending tonight on a note like that, you know, let's, let's wrap it all up by saying, you know, reach out, to those out there that may be lonely, reach out to those that may be being left behind right now. Be kind, not only to the medical workers, but be kind to all the people, the guy that has to drive the bus. Be be kind to the people out there that are being exposed to it every day. Be kind to the people that you're sheltering in place with, even when, you know, they're chewing too loudly, they're snoring two rooms away, they got toothpaste <laughs> on the mirror in the bathroom. Be kind. <laughs> Be kind. Guys, I, I thank you both so much. Leon, you know how much I love your projects. I absolutely love the book, and I love you thank as you. a person. Thank well, you thank you, so Anthony. I'm, I'm pretty crazy about you, too, and thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Lauren, you so much. Thanks for having me on for this short time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for giving our listeners a little bit of a treat behind the, you know, the man behind the scenes. We finally get to hear a little bit. <laughs> the man behind the curtain. <laughs> and Pam. Thank you so much for creating mm-hmm. a standalone episode so that we could support our friend and his book. Again, it is sub SUV. Let's not dive any further into that. Celebrity, you can find it on Amazon. It's a Kindle book. It's an e-book. And June 14th, is, is that the projected date if you absolutely have to have a feel of a book in your hand? 
Yes, if, if if you know the printing presses are open by then, it'll be out on uh, June 14th. It will just depend on whether it's safe for people to go back to work. One nice thing about Amazon are their books are printed in the U.S. of A. So, um, and we will update you if that changes. We will absolutely. update you with any news about table reads or pilots being picked up. And Leon, you know, come on back when this is all over and you're working on something new. Gee, I'd hate that. (laughs) 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 Thank you. I'd love to. Three three strikes, you're out, dude. Bye. (laughs) Bye -bye. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back next week for our regularly scheduled hashing about the soaps. Well, hashing about hashing about what's left, the two soaps that will still have regular episodes. And we look forward to any of your comment and comments and feedbacks. We are Take Two, the number two radio. You can find our podcast on any of your open podcast streams. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. I am Anthony31C. If you want to send me a private message on Twitter and Anthony Corona on Facebook, Leon already gave you his information. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Until next time, stay safe, wash your hands, and please, please be kind to the people around you. Have a good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. You guys rock. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you, Pam. (laughs) 